It's great to be together for those who are in this place. It's so great for you that are joining online as well. And God is able to give us what we need today. Right? Wherever we are, God is able. Because I know, I hear stories every week, as, as I'm sure many of you do, as you interact with people. The challenging times we're in. The, the fear that is, is so prevalent in our culture and society and in people's hearts and in some of our minds and hearts at times, myself included, for different reasons. God is able to sustain us, to strengthen us, to help us, to give us peace, to give us wisdom, to provide the finances that we need, to whatever it is. He is able. This isn't the message this morning. So like Joel said a couple of weeks ago, don't start the timer yet. <laughs> but you know, some of that encouragement and strength comes in the context of relationships, in the context of the body of Christ, where maybe we don't really know somebody, but we're willing to step out and speak a word of encouragement as they're heading out of the building or, or somebody that comes to your mind and you email them a note of encouragement. Please let the Holy Spirit use you that way. I have been the recipient this, this week in a, in a couple of significant instances of the lift from words of encouragement from people that are brothers or sisters in Christ. It's, it's a cool thing. So let God use you as my word of encouragement before we dive into the message today. Let God use you that way in your own personality, in your own creativity, to bring lift, encouragement, and strength to others in your church family or in your neighborhood or in your school, students. Okay? Quick highlight for ladies. Uh, Women's Connection starts this week, first and third Wednesday morning uh, each month, um, 9 a.m., child care is available, and you can sign up by clicking on the small groups button at the uh, eaglemont.info website. Great opportunity to, well, connect. So take advantage of that, ladies. Uh, today, we continue in our soul care series that is a book we're walking through that is based on the Word of God. It must always be based on the Word of God, what we uh, share uh, in the context of church life and in this gathering. Uh, as Pastor Joel mentioned uh, last Sunday, if you weren't able to connect into a small group for this fall, same page, uh, fall season, we still encourage you, strongly encourage you to do more than just read the book. Uh, connect with one or two others, maybe a couple of couples together uh, to walk through the book and discuss the material uh, each week together. And if you want to do that, but you're really not sure uh, uh, who you can do that with, Pastor Joel has made himself available. He's aware of some possibilities, and uh, you can contact him if you want to talk about those. So this morning, we look at the principle, principle number two, repentance. Father, we pray that we would open our hearts to your word, and you would open your word to our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name. What picture comes to your mind when you hear the word repent? You're probably not alone if you imagine a guy who's maybe coming across as if he's angry, pointing his finger, yelling the word repent with veins bulging on his neck. Maybe. 
It's true that Jesus wants all of us and calls us to repent from our sin, but how that message is delivered matters. Otherwise, there's quite likely a repel factor, actually. Now, repentance isn't a popular idea, right? Some of that is connotations in our minds that are a little off, possibly. Repentance isn't a popular idea, but it should be. It should be because it's what's required in order to enter into God's eternal family. We don't cut out portions of the Bible because uh, it goes against or doesn't fit with the ways of society. That would be spiritual suicide if we applied that to the activity, the idea of repentance. Dr. Reimer in the Soul Care book points out that we don't value repentance in society or at times even in the church because we see it as in conflict with the societal value of tolerance or as he says, something that is perceived to be tolerance. We don't have time to drill into that, so I'll encourage you to read the book for his good comments about that in this chapter, and I think there are still books available uh, today over to my left on the table there for $17, I might add. But in caring for our soul, which this series is all about, it's obviously important to understand what the soul is, and, and Joel gave us a good definition last Sunday, and in addition to that, I like what pastor and author and chancellor of Denver Seminary, Gordon McDonald, uh, says, his comments, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. Interesting. And, and, and the soul, the, the real you, lasts forever, and so it's important care for it. Broken souls will remain broken if there's no repentance. And, and we're all broken because of the very first choice our human parents, first human parents made. And be, because of that choice, all of us inherit what the Bible calls this uh, sin nature. And out of that come our own acts of sin. And repentance is the way to overcome Sin's destructive and eternal effect on our life. So, so why, why then do we shy away from the idea of repentance sometimes? It does, doesn't make sense. One author wrote this. We know better than to openly admit our wrongs. I think he was being a little facetious there. We know better than to openly admit our wrongs if we want to get ahead in this world and be accepted by others. And this is the perception that... or, or the thing that some people perceive to be true, if we want to get ahead in this world and be accepted by others, it's better to conceal our shortcomings and put on a good front, isn't it? As an example, who goes into a job interview saying, I have to, I have to tell you, I have a habit of slipping toward laziness. Just, just saying. Oh, and, and one, other, one other thing, I... I can find it easy to criticize my superiors, actually, and, and often my coworkers too. Oh, oh, and another thing, not done yet. Um, 
I kind of enjoy listening to office gossip, and I'm, and I'm pretty good at spreading it as well. Hmm. Now, I, I think there's a way to be honest about our shortcomings that doesn't cause an interviewer to go, ah, we need to end this interview now. Um, yet sadly, in the broader scope of life, many have perceived that it's better not to be honest about our failures. That actually goes against what God says in the book of James, and we'll refer to it as I look at my notes right now. God asks us to honestly disclose our sin. There's something freeing about that. To God, of course, yes. He's the one that gives. We don't receive forgiveness from any human person. That comes directly from Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. And God gives us that when we ask by faith. It's cool. Seems too simple, doesn't it? James 5, 16. We are to confess our sins to Him and to other believers in relationships of, of trust, of course. I want us to read five scriptures to remind us of the solid biblical foundation for repentance that most of you probably don't need to be convinced of this morning, but great scriptures. John said it clearly in 1 John 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just or fair to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 32, I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And then Jesus' words in Luke 5, I have not come to call the righteous, or really he's saying those who think they're righteous on their own. I, I, I've, not called, I've not come to call them, because they, they probably won't hear the call anyway. Their righteousness is in thinking that it's in themselves. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And friends, we're all sinners. We come into the world that way. Acts 3, Peter preached, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How cool does that sound, eh? And then Paul declared his mission in a nutshell in Acts 20, uh, verse 21, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a very, as you know, I'm sure many of you, most of you, a solid biblical foundation for this discussion, of course. So let's define repentance by, uh, I want to identify five things that repentance is characterized by, biblical repentance. First of all, true repentance involves an awareness of the seriousness of our sin. We're open to consider and think about and be convinced by the seriousness of our sin against God. And of course, all of this comes from the truth of God's Word. Listen to selected verses from Psalm 51. Now, Psalm 51 was one of the, uh, the, the, was the, uh, uh, the poem, the song, we call it a psalm, that David wrote sometime after his sin of adultery with Bathsheba and the sin of murder, trying to get, his, uh, get Bathsheba's husband out of the way uh, and, and try to hide his sin after she became pregnant. 
Some big sins. But listen. Psalm 51, against you, God, and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. For I was, there it is. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Yep. Even from those sins. Don't believe, the Satan, don't believe Satan's lie that oh, God can't forgive you for that. Or, or God can't forgive you again for that. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart. God can do that. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal or a, or a faithful spirit within me. Loyal to God and to his good ways, of course. Jesus stated with clarity how important repentance is in Luke 13. Unless you repent, you will perish. It's not a term we use a lot. but That literally means eternal separation from our Creator. What a terrible thing. But that's the end for those who refuse to repent of their sin and turn from it. Important, important stuff here. I'm not sure we often give a lot of consideration to how devastating our, our sin is in, in our lives now and potentially for eternity. You, you may know this, that sometimes sin is, uh, I don't know, you could say sugar-coated and, and it's referred to at times by, by some as a, as a mistake, a mistake. Now, sin is certainly a mistake, but, but it's much deeper. It's much deeper than that. And, and, and I mean, some mistakes are pretty bad, but they aren't necessarily sin. Um, a while back, I read a story of a pastor who made a, a big mistake. He called it the most humiliating thing in his pastoral life. And as I read the story, I thought it was funny. But that's only because it didn't happen to me. Uh, I'll share it with you. He wrote and he told that there were two elderly women who passed away within days of each other in his church. The funerals were Thursday and Saturday the same week. Two different people, different families, two sets of notes for his sermon, sermons, one for each funeral, of course. Well, Thursday's funeral time came and he grabbed his notes and he went into the service and at the appropriate time, appropriate time he delivered the message and he always wanted to make the message, the sermon, uh, personal. And so he would tell stories about the individual who had passed away. Well, that Thursday, among numerous other things in that message, he referred to the deceased person's love for quesadillas. And as he did, he noticed some shifting and whispering among family members, but he didn't think too much of it because it's not uncommon for family members to kind of turn to one another and interact a bit when a comment in a message uh, stirs a memory. And, and so he continued. By the way, there was a very, very large crowd at this, at this funeral. The, the, the well-loved lady had actually passed away the previous Sunday during the worship service, and it was, it was, it was traumatic for, uh, for everyone. But the trauma intensified. For this pastor, when he barely stepped off the stage at the end of the service and a pastor co-worker rushed over to him to let him know that he had preached his Saturday funeral message, but it was Thursday, his friend grimaced and said, you told story after story about the wrong lady. Well, the world 
And that moment for that pastor just froze in time as he realized his entire message was, in fact, about the wrong deceased person. Not a single story, not a single memory that he had shared applied to the dearly departed saint in the casket that day. Standing there stunned, he, he, he couldn't imagine how that could have happened. And actually, he didn't have to imagine it because he was living it, right? And as he stood in shock, he quickly realized that he now had to drive to the cemetery and stand with that family as they lowered their loved one into the ground. After arriving at the cemetery, he walked very quickly to the grave site and immediately started speaking to the family members who were already there. He says, I'm sorry, I, I need to try and explain something. And in that moment, something almost unbelievable happened. Something full of mercy, actually. The family started to laugh. Everybody laughed. The pastor said, I, I even lowered my head and managed to chuckle. And one of the, one of the sons with a, a grin on his face said, Pastor, it was, it was like I didn't even know my mother today. <laughs> Good sense of humor in the family. The other brother said, well, that's okay, Pastor. Just preach mom's message on Saturday. More laughter. Love that story. But again, only because it didn't happen to me. Pretty big mistake. What was the point of that, sermon, or that uh, illustration again, of that story? I, I mean, let's be honest, just an opportunity to tell you it, right? But no, mistake, sin. Some mistakes can be really bad, but sometimes they're just a mistake. But sin is an affront to a holy God with eternal consequences. It puts it in a different category. Eternal consequences that are given a way to address in the Word of God, right? But if not dealt with in the way the Bible says, we're, we're, we're in eternal trouble. And dealing with sin is all about repentance. Good thing for us to do is to ask the Holy Spirit to deepen our awareness of the seriousness of our sin and, and our own helplessness in it, number one. Secondly, true repentance results in receiving God's mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Grace, receiving what? We don't deserve and cannot earn. That's awesome. That moves what we have out of the category of burdensome religion to vibrant, freeing relationship. And that's what God offers. Dr. Reimer implores us to not settle for living with unconfessed sin in our life. He writes, darkness always leads to bondage. I don't even like that word. Hey, bondage, doesn't it? It just sounds, ooh, sounds awful. But my friends, God has provided the way to freedom from bondage through genuine repentance. And again, the author of Soul Care refers to this as soul alignment. 
I don't know that I've heard that term before in regards to, to, to this topic, to this biblical truth, but I like that. Soul alignment. It just sounds right, and it is. And further, on page 17 of the book, he says that repentance, I like what he says here, makes the soul breathe a sigh of relief. That's good. Because repentance is the, really, it's the, it's the hinge uh, upon which the, the door swings open for God's mercy and grace to flood into our lives. It's great. When we repent, <laughs> my friends, you've got to know this. When, you, when you're courageous enough and, and humble enough to come before God and truly repent and express the sin and, and your regret for it and ask forgiveness and be honest about it with, with God, there's zero condemnation that will come to you from God. Only grace and mercy. That is something that we need to be so grateful for. And I know so many of you are. You've experienced that. And I, I know it's my job to put words to truths like this, but I, I struggle here because these amazing truths are beyond words. They're beyond words. Got to experience it to understand. And maybe for some of you, today's your day to experience it for the first time as you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, who loves you most and knows you best <laughs> and still takes you in because he took me in. Thirdly, true repentance comes from godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7 refers to two types of sorrow. Worldly sorrow, godly sorrow. Really quickly, worldly sorrow could simply, uh, worldly sorrow could simply be defined as being sorry you got caught. Godly sorrow, though, is having a, a, a broken heart because you know your sin breaks God's heart. A sorrow, it's a, godly sorrow is a sorrow that leads to a turning from that sin. You see, the, the one is a kind of a cover and the other uncovers. Light comes where there's honesty. It uncovers and exposes the sin so that it can be forgiven completely, uh, completely dealt with by the work of, of Jesus' cross. Fourthly, true repentance results in a change of attitude and action regarding sin. A, a repentant person comes to hate their sin, so they turn away from it and simultaneously turn to God and His best way of living. And hatred for sin sometimes can be something that takes time to, to grow, if we could put it that way. Psalm 119, I, I hate, the writer said, I, I hate every wrong path because he took some of those paths and he saw the destruction inwardly, relationally, spiritually. I hate every wrong path. J.I. Packer, professor at Regent, uh, former professor at Regent College in Vancouver, writes, Repentance is the halt, right about turn, and you travel in the opposite direction of whatever sin it was that you were allowing to rule you before. It's a good, concise statement. For those who want to follow Jesus faithfully, we, we need to ask God to grow a hatred for sin in our hearts and so, that we'll, so that we'll turn away from it. And there's a great example in the New Testament. Uh, we don't have time to, to uh, delve into it, but Zacchaeus, Luke 19, of what, of what repentance brings about, of what it looks like. You can read that story on your own. Fifthly, this morning, true repentance results 
in a genuine desire to obey God and pursue holy living. 1 Peter 1, 15, 16, but just as he who called you is holy, that's just, that's just perfectness of character. Just as God who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. If you're a God follower, he can work that character in you. Now, in this world, we're never going to be perfect. That's just what it is. But the life graph should genuinely, you know, generally be up and to the right, if you put it that way. And, and all of that character growth, again, does not bring you eternal salvation, does not secure for you eternal salvation. That comes by your open-hearted faith and trust in the cross and the work of Jesus and his resurrection. But on the other side of that, yes, he, he desires us to grow in our character so that we reflect his love and grace more accurately and more fully so that others can see his love and respond and come to him. But as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Reason enough. And, and again, holy doesn't mean perfect. None of us are. It's, it's kind of what John the Baptist refers to succinctly in Luke 3, 8, where he just said, produce, he's talking to disciples of Jesus, produce fruit in the way you live. Pro produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So there's, there's, there's an outcome, a good outcome. Biblically, it's important to have a change of mind and heart. And it, it's impossible to have change of behavior without a change in mind and heart. But it's impossible to have a true, full change of mind and heart without there being evidence of change in in other words, in our actions. James 2.17 says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's dead. In other words, it's not genuine. In the book, True Faced, the authors share this insightful statement about repentance as we land the plane here in the next couple of minutes. Listen to this. When grace introduces us to repentance, when, when, when grace introduces us to repentance, the two of us become best friends. When anything else introduces us to repentance, it feels like the warden has come to lock us up. Like false guilt or, you know, whatever. But, but when, again, they say, when grace gets involved, the truths of repentance reveal a fabulous world of life-freeing beauty. And a significant part of that life-freeing beauty is cultivating a life of holiness, which is not, holiness is not weird or, uh, to use an old word, uh, prudish, no. It's simply reflecting the good character of God through our lives, His compassion, His, His purity, His goodness, the reflection of His mercy and grace to others. That's, that's what it means to pursue holiness. You're just pursuing the character of God and how He wants His character to be reflected through your thoughts, words, actions, attitudes. 
I don't know about you, but I know that's a, that's going to be, that's a lifelong process for me. As long as we live in this temporary tent, the Bible calls it, that'll be a work that I have to constantly surrender to the Holy Spirit to do. Well, in some moments of response to God in light of this message today, I, I remind you of the invitation that Peter gave in the New Testament early history book of Acts 3.19 that we read earlier. What did he say? He called on people. He called on everyone. He knew it was Jesus' desire and Jesus' call. And he knew it was vital for their lives to be saved eternally when he said, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Oh, beautiful. That's, that's God's loving invitation for you to surrender your life to Him by asking Him to be, the, if you haven't already, the, the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life so you can instantly enter His eternal family. And know that you'll be with Him forever when your life in this world is done. That there, there's, a, there's a complete refreshing in, in life that, that comes to us with doing that with repenting and responding that way. And, and, and again, He loves you most and knows you best. So what could possibly hold you back from, from doing that? Nothing, nothing is worth your eternal soul, my friend. I hope you see that. Would you respond today? If you haven't, and, and most of us in this room, and maybe most of us watching, I don't know, but have, have done that. We've surrendered to God that way, and that's awesome. But if, if, if you are making that decision, and God leaves it to you to make that choice, He doesn't want to force it, because He doesn't want some artificial, robotic, uh, manipulated response. He doesn't walk, want to have that kind of relationship. No, He wants it to be genuine. And he offers it to you, and you have a choice, as we all do and did. So if today is your day. I, I, I hope and pray it is, if this is something you've not done before. I, I hope that in this moment you say, yeah, I want to know God personally and eternally. I, I, don't, I don't understand everything that's on the other side of that decision. It's a little scary, but... My friends, it does not have to be. Because again, God loves you most and knows you best. So what could possibly keep you from stepping into a relationship with a God like that? The God of the Bible. The true God. And if you're making a decision like that today, or, or you have questions, further questions about that, you, we, we would love to walk with you. And there's a, a QR code that you'll see on the screen, whether you're here in person or online, you can, you, can, you can scan that. And that'll just give you the opportunity to leave us your contact information. You trust us with that. And we'd just be honored to touch base and see how we could serve and help you. Or if you're in person, you want to fill out a paper copy of the connection card, you can put that at the kiosk, the slot at the kiosk, the info kiosk at, on your way out today. 
And so for those who are already Christ followers, the repentance chapter is, in this, in this book we're walking through, is a biblical reminder of the importance of living a confessional life, actually. We can't lose sight of that. Regularly confessing our sin to God and also to one another, which for most of us is awkward, scary. Not something in our circles, at least, or in my circles, I should maybe say, uh, that we've done a lot in response to James, the Word of God from James 5.16. And it's not an indiscriminate kind of, uh, you know, no. Within the context of a grace-filled community, as Rob Reiner, Reimer puts it well, uh, and, and also in, in the context of, of, of trusting, trusted relationships with, the, with other believers that, that, that we trust. To be honest about a particular area of, of sin and struggle. To be honest, to confess to a, to a brother, brother to brother, sister to sister, to confess, say, this, I'm, I'm just really struggling with this these days. And you know what? In the times when I've done that, you know what I've received back? Prayer, encouragement, love. I, I've had people say, when, when you're, and I, I felt this when people have done this with me, I've, my respect for you has just gone up because you're willing to be honest. God sees that and honors that and responds to that. And so, I'm going to ask Brennan to come and, and, and sing a song as the rest of us take some moments of, of prayerful reflection and response by, in these moments, talking to God, confessing sin to God. Do that. Let the Holy Spirit turn His light on areas of your life that you know you, you need to just confess to God and receive His strength to overcome that. Asking Him to put a hatred for sin in your heart. In these moments, do that. And also in these moments, to commit and to think about someone you're going to go to so that the follow-through of walking in a life of pursuing God's character of holiness just, just is, is helped along because you've been honest with a fellow struggler. If you don't know another Christian, maybe you're new in the environment here, maybe you don't even know me, but you, at least you've heard me talk a little bit and you I might be able to do that with Marlo. You can do that. You can do that. Lean into that as the Holy Spirit leads you in the next few moments as you talk to God.